I like phallic things in my face. Phallic shaped objects in my face. So I had a mattress delivered also this morning. Mattress? Yeah, I bought a new mattress. What kind? I bought a, a Sealy. Was the old one worn out? <laughs> yes, I know too much, too much jagging off on it. Oh. No, no sacks. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Like sands through the hourglass, these are the gay days of our lives. I'm Tom, speaking on the Center Channel. I'm Daniel, speaking on the. What channel are you on? No clue. I'm uh, on every channel. You're on the right channel. You're on the right channel, and Carl. Yes, Carl, I guess I'm in the center. No, you're no. on the left. You're always on the left because it's pan left and you're always on the left. Oh, I'm on pan left. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Good. Now, yesterday we did try to make one and we decided afterward when we were discussing what we had just performed that it was not very good and we were actually having a much better session after it ended so we decided to do this one today this is the real deal whatever happens today it's going up good bad or indifferent and it will sound different our acoustics are totally different in here what do you think how does it i like it it gives it a little more lively feel and we're sitting we're actually sitting at a round table and having a discussion which is what came up after our discussion that fell apart yesterday uh, we thought we need to shake this up and that's why we're in here like this uh, I, even though I'm sitting a little off axis from you it's uh, my microphone cord's not long enough and I'll get a new one I am talking on a different microphone this is my uh, can you describe this microphone Daniel looks like a birdcage to me a birdcage <laughs> if you've ever seen movies of Elvis singing don't be cruel with his hands cupped around this steel, stainless steel birdcage, that's what this is. It's a Stromberg Carlson MC41. Now, some housekeeping. Our email address to for people to write to us, what is that? Gaydaysofourlives at gmail.com Okay, please, and Daniel, please repeat. Gaydaysofourlives at gmail.com Good. That right now, that's the fastest, best, quickest way to reach us. And you can also send us an email to subscribe, and we can send you, um, we have a listserv of our listeners where they can um, uh, email us, add it to the listserv, and then we'll send you an email when each new podcast is uploaded. I did not know we had a listserv. I don't think I know what that means. Okay, well, I'll show you. When we get off the air, Correct. you'll show me how that works. Correct. Okay. Because one of our listeners said, how can I leave a comment? Or how can I get a message to you? And I wasn't sure what the answer was. I believed, and we told him, that if he is subscribed to one of the eight carriers that we're using, if he did, creates a sign-in and a login, then he'll get an alert. He can set the thing to alert when we have a new one. Is that right? Correct. Okay. But we can also send emails as well. How do we know the identity of our listeners if they haven't written in? We don't. We, okay. we, we don't. And so it's more of a, it's more passive. So we need an audience member, a listener to email us to get them on the list. Once they have, then once they've contacted us on gaydaysofourlives at gmail.com, 
then we add them to the listserv, and then they would get an alert when we make a new one? Correct. Okay. Well, in the meantime, I do want to run down this list of the providers, providers, what's, that's not the right word, what's the word? Sources? Host, 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 platforms. Platform, platform, that's the word. Okay, the uh, main platform is anchor.fm. That is where we created our login and we exist. You don't have to create your own login on anchor.fm. You can just click the play button and play it. That's mm -hmm. all you have to do. If you happen to be already signed in on any of these other eight platforms, it might be easier. You might be able to get a, a follow link. I mean, a uh, alert link. Do you think, Daniel? Yes. All right. Yes. If you on the various platforms, they have their own way of notifying. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to list them here, and if you recognize one of them, then you'll be able to go in. Breaker.audio, like Breaker19, Breaker Breaker, CB Talk, like that. Breaker.audio, Google Podcasts, Overcast.fm. I'd never heard of that one. Overcast.fm, Pocketcast, and their abbreviation is PCA.st, Pocketcast. RadioPublic.com, Spotify, of course. I think that's the one that's at the top of the list. iTunes.apple.com and CastBox.fm. So, if you recognize any of those, uh, and you, or you didn't get a chance to write it down, email us at GayDaysOfOurLives.com, and we will send you that information. Daniel, uh, you went on a trip over the last few days, as did I. Uh, tell us about your trip. Yeah, so I was in Palm Springs this last week um, and had lots of fun. It was very, um, very much fun. I was with Quincy. Mm -hmm. uh, Quincy and uh, I have a few friends over there. We stayed with um, our friends Mark and Jerry. Uh, Jerry wasn't there, but Mark was. And believe it or not, Mark was... Quincy's first relationship back 40 years ago. 40 years ago, yeah. Yes, can you believe it? <laughs> that was before your time. <laughs> yes, before, that was uh, BD. <laughs> Be, before Derek. <laughs> before Derek, there we go. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun. We spent a whole week together, and what I've come to realize is that they they have a they have a great relationship something uh, friendship that I will never be able to fully understand or, or fully participate in because they have such a long history. Quincy and I have only been together now six years, um, which pales in comparison to a forty-year you know friendship. <clears throat> so um, what I've learned was during that experience is sometimes uh, too much togetherness is, um, can be difficult. We, we spent you know, a total of seven days together, and um, I would say by day four, day five, I just said, drop me off at a bar. I need to get away from you guys. <laughs> And how was that? How was, it was the bar? Oh, the bar was great. Um, I, I like to refer to all the bars in Palm Springs as the office. Oh. Uh, and I say, Quincy, I'm going to the office. 
<laughs> but you only have one car while you're there, is that that's, right? Yeah, so that's correct. So, so, so they dropped me off. They went and did their own gallivanting. They went to a French bakery. They went to uh, this and that. And I, you know, I was, I was living life. Okay, good. Yes. And Quincy, based upon past experience, has some idea of what he could expect. When he picked you up. Oh, yeah, definitely. He, he, yes, see episode number three. Yeah, he had a kind of like, where are you? I don't know where I'm at. Okay, well, uh, find me. He found me, dragged me into the car, and off we went. There he are, traced your phone. Yeah. He, what was that called? He traced the phone. Yeah. Well, that was my question. Uh, my friend Frank asked me to put this app on my phone mm -hmm. where we knew where each other were. Because yeah. if we're working on a TV job or radio job and we're trying to vector each other in, it does help to know if Frank is on the Close way. Close by. Right. So do you and Quincy have those on your respective phones? Yes, we do. Okay. Yes. So he could, he, he, all he had to do was look and he could see where you were. Yeah, or at least he would know where the phone was. <laughs> You know, it doesn't, okay. doesn't necessarily mean... I've been known to leave my phone at bars, oh, credit no. cards at bars. It's oh. one thing out or another, okay. let me tell you. We must speak. <laughs> yes. Sort of like an episode of Person of Interest. Yeah, I, yeah I just... I'm clumsy, I guess. Okay, okay. I was also in Palm Springs, sort of coincident with the time you were... I came into town, jetted over to Apple Valley, did some TV work, then came back. And so we did have dinner together at Mark's house. You invited me. Yes, we did. And we had shish kebabs. Yum, yum, yum. And uh, I pulled all the peppers off mine. You were going to eat all the peppers. I, I, I was, I but pulled off, it was but just... There I was mean, a mound. <laughs> yeah, it was like two full skewers worth of chicken, exactly. peppers, yeah. this, that, the other thing. I... Thoroughly loved the chicken and the tomatoes and the rice, mm -hmm. and even I had a couple onions too. So, yeah, I, I really appreciated that. We also had a really great conversation afterwards in the spa together. We did, and one of the things that we talked about was prep. You asked me what I thought. What were my thoughts on prep? Yes. And for those wondering, what are we talking about? PrEP, what does that mean? It stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. Okay. Pre-exposure prophylactic. That does not mean putting your rubber on before you even put your pants on. That's not what it means. It could mean that. It, it could, <laughs> yes, it means before you're, you're, you're taking measures before you're exposed. Right. Prophylactic was a euphemism for condoms way back <laughs> when. That's the only reason I said that. <laughs> No one got it. Parach. <laughs> rim shot. We need a rim shot sound effect. I'll work on that. I'll get <laughs> us a rim shot sound effect. I can zing that in yeah. there. And the idea of PrEP is that a person who's negative, HIV negative, can go on this medication and they can have normal sex with people as people have always had sex for the last 35,000 years, which has now gotten a new bad word associated with it. What is that? Yeah, you're about to say it. I, I'm only, not, one, B. only one bad word. Bareback is oh. the pejorative term okay, yes. for people who have sex, unprotected sex. It's like, we <laughs> don't get me started on that. I just find that so ridiculous. <clears throat> anyway, people have normal sex. Normal unprotected nor, sex. Which has now been called unprotected. So if you're 
uh, anyway, if you're barebacking, you're doing a bad thing, is how it always sounded to me. Anyhow. Well, it's daring. Uh, depending on where you are. If you are the barebacker, it's daring. If you are the person who is bear outside the bareback, then it's foolish. Okay. To reduce the foolishness, to make it less dangerous, we came up with prep. Yes. Right. And I think there and are... less daring. I, yes, I, I agree. And I think there are many schools of thought on not only the medication, but the sexual behaviors that go along with this. For example, I knew a gentleman who um, went on PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, as a way to be sexually inclusive to the HIV community, HIV positive, like positive community. I thought that was an interesting way of thinking about it. He wanted, he was, there used to be a term called chaser where people wanted to have, yes. negative people wanted to have sex with pause people. Some of them wanted to convert on yes. purpose. Now, Which creeped me out. That, I thought the same thing. I have the same reaction to that. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're bug chasers. So, yes, I do think there are many schools of thought on prep and sexual behavior. Okay. So a person, an enlightened person in 2020 who is negative and on PrEP and is not bug chasing. I think in, in addition to uh, a young person on PrEP, I, I personally believe the idea is to be on PrEP at a moment when you're at most at risk for possibly contracting HIV and and maybe participating in behaviors that put you at a higher risk, a high-risk behavior. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I've heard people say, oh, don't worry, I'm on PrEP. Now, I would say to him, yes, do worry, because it doesn't protect you from STIs at all. So Correct. HIV is one thing, but there's a huge rise in... Chlamydia, yes, syphilis. And partially for that reason, don't worry, I'm on PrEP. Yeah, I, I agree. And believe it or not, I just listed three STDs. I think there was... Five? Yes. There's, I, I, I know it's in the 20s. It, it could be, you know, 21, but I'm, I'm pulling 25 because of... Uh, I, for some reason, that number's calling to me be, um, based on a conversation I had with an infectious disease doctor back in the day. Okay. Well, they're all I've... The, the big three that come to my mind... Uh, we don't have to mention them. People do want to look, they can look them up. But I would say the top three, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, then the rest of them are going to have much lower percentages, I'm assuming. By the time you get to 21, it's like 0.0001% of the population or not? Yeah. Okay. Well, do we have any other thoughts on prep before I transition to our next topic? Sure. Um, I would like to, to talk about more prep. Um, so, so one of the schools of thought is, like you mentioned, um, barebacking. I, you know, people claim that's more pleasurable or any something like that. But I, um, a lot of people, uh, there are some people that go on prep to bareback. Um, that's. I thought, that's I thought that was the main reason. No, I don't think that's the main reason. The, I don't think the main reason for someone to get on PrEP is so they can have condomless sex. Oh. I think the reason a person goes on PrEP 
is due to the risk behaviors that mm -hmm. put them at risk for contracting HIV or AIDS. At the top, but isn't yeah. bareback at the top of that list? It, it is, but that doesn't necessarily, like somebody doesn't, I personally, I don't think somebody goes on PrEP to have bareback sex. Hmm. I think they, a person, you know, when they have a conversation with their doctor, they discuss that they're at a higher risk because of the behaviors. Like, yes, I've had multiple partners within the last six months. Mm -hmm. Some of them were with condoms. Some of them were without condoms. Okay, great. You know, in, you, I think we've all been there, um, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, it's like, oh, shoot, do you have a condom? It wasn't no. what you had planned to do. Yeah, it, it's okay. not what you have planned to okay. do. I you, you may have had every intention to maybe have sex with a condom, and there is no condom available. And it's like, well, we're here now, and get down to business. But light bulb goes off. Yeah. Since I am on prep, we might be okay. We'll probably be okay. Possibly. You don't say, necessarily say that out loud, but in your mind, it's this little loop that you play. It's, yeah. And yeah. Okay. another school of thought is prep is what's considered the, the morning before pill. You know, it's not, it's analogous or, um, you know, opposite to the morning after right. pill. So right. you're, you're taking it before you possibly have, you know, unprotected sex with the person of a status you are unaware of. If only they could invent the morning after HIV, anti-HIV pill. That would have a totally new... <laughs> well, believe it or not, if someone were to be exposed to HIV or just had mm -hmm. unprotected sex with an individual that they did not know their status and they wanted to be yes. on the super safe side, they could go on a PrEP medication, Truvada, within 72-hour period of unprotected sex. Is that what it is, within yeah. 72 hours? Yeah, and then it's okay. a 30-day treatment. Okay. And uh, is it Truvada or is it Discovy or what are they using now? The, Truvada for the exposure mm -hmm. and then Discovy and Truvada for PrEP. And then Bictarvi oh. is the new medication for HIV. What's in Bictarvi? Single pill. Yes. What all is in Bictarvi? I'm not, I'm not too sure off the top does, of my head. Does it have three things in it or two things? Or? Mm. Yeah. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this brings up the other side of this, and I think you and I discuss this in the hot tub, it may seem like a good idea, and it certainly has a lot of benefits, but this is a, th these are toxic drugs, and for the medical profession to pretend they are not is, um, well, it's not fair. <laughs> because before a person makes a decision to go on, they need to know all the things that could possibly happen, including liver and kidney failure down the road. Yes. So it's a balancing act. Do we accept this amount of risk for this benefit or, or not? Yeah, it's a, it's a cost-benefit analysis. It is. Yeah. Everything is. Um, you know. I think more likely than not, someone that does choose to go on PrEP values, uh, being, values their negative status more than the inconvenience of being, you know, having a few GI issues while they start the medication or something like that. Do most people have trouble with GI issues right at the beginning or not? Yeah, usually on the first 30 days. First 30 days. Yeah, the, fir the first okay. like cycle. After that, what happens? Then it's just in your system already. Kind of goes away? Yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> this brings us to another thing that happened in Palm Springs. On Sunday, the 18th, a memorial was held in Ruth Hardy Park 
for a guy named Timothy Ray Brown, who passed away at the age of, I think, 54, something like that. Does that sound right? Yes. He died from leukemia that had come back. And so we'll tell this story backwards. Um, I, no, I'll tell it forwards. It makes more sense to tell it forwards. Twelve years ago, while he was in Germany working as a translator, he, he became very ill and was put in a hospital in Berlin. And the leukemia, he, the leukemia that had already started was now really out of control. He was in bad shape. Also, he had HIV, and he knew that. The doctors were in a conundrum, how do we treat the leukemia without killing the patient, which is always <laughs> chemotherapy we know is very hard on a person. Plus, he's got HIV. What are we supposed to do? They put their heads together, and they decided they would do a bone marrow transplant on him, which not only put the leukemia into remission, it ridded, is that a word? Rid his body of HIV. He would, became, would you say cured? He was technically cured because a subsequent test looking for the HIV antibodies in his system proved negative. Okay. So his C, it took a while. His CD4 count eventually came up. He had zero viral load because he had no HIV in his system, and he had no antibodies in his system. He was the definition of a negative person. So, so negative is different from... Uh, Undetectable, correct? That is correct. Can you explain that to me? Well, sure. And the only reason I feel somewhat qualified to do that, I am not a doctor, but I was the research coordinator at our one of our HIV clinics here in town. I worked under Dr. Fritz Berdyk. He is a world-renowned expert on HIV. So I had to learn a crash course in what all this means. A person who's never been exposed to it ever can be tested to see if, there, if he has been exposed. And if the antibody test comes back negative, that means you haven't been exposed. Okay. Now, there is a waiting period. If you have a sexual encounter or get a blood transfusion from somebody who has it. Has there ever been a documented case of someone acquiring HIV through blood, uh, blood transfusion? Oh, yeah. Ryan White. Okay. The, the little boy in Indiana okay. who was born hemophiliac. Okay. And was having trouble in school. He, it, they had to be super careful in school. The slightest thing happened, his blood wouldn't clot, so he was, he was really out. struggling. So he went, goes, he had a, some kind of an event, had to go to the hospital, had to get a transfusion because he'd lost a lot of blood. He got a transfusion from a person who had HIV. Wow. This was in 1985 or 1990. This was in the dark ages. So uh, eventually he died, but not before he became friends with Elton John, who was so moved by this event that he created the Ryan White Foundation with his own money. So we have a lot of respect for Elton John, just based on that. Who doesn't love Elton John? Exactly. <laughs> what, here's another reason to love Elton John. So since then, the foundation has really taken off, and they have other many other donors. I think uh, Bill Gates gives them money, Warren Buffett, people like that. I don't think the Koch brothers do, but that's another story. There is a waiting period, is what I'm trying to say. If you think you 
had sex with a person with HIV and you are a negative person, you're known to be a negative person, you need to go back every month or so for, I think, for three months. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the three months, if you have no sexual contact with anybody, then you didn't get it and you don't have it. Anyway, so that's the HIV antibody test. If it goes positive, then they look for viral load. What is your viral load? How many copies of the virus are floating around in a deciliter of your blood? And that is a real number. Under 20, they cannot tell. You can test positive and have less than, fewer than 20 copies and you will be undetectable, air quotes. And if I'm not mistaken, undetectable means untransmittable. Correct. That is true. So you could have bareback sex as an undetectable pause person, and the risk to your, any of your partner people is virtually zero. And that's with equation U equals U comes yes. in. Yes. I, you know, I think um, it's an interesting topic, the way you mentioned it. Um, a po you know, a lot more positive people are being open about their status, partly because they can reach a point where they are undetectable. And by having that conversation with a sexual partner, I think kind of eases the maybe um, the stigma of having of a negative person having sex with a positive person. Stigma is still a huge word. Yes. It's kind of gone into the background. I think part of the reason is we have so many other things to have stigmas about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where, which stigma am I saddled with? Which one are you saddled with? Everybody has one, I guess, now, but that's still kind of a big one. Well, and see, with the uh, application of PrEP, uh, people have begun speaking in terms of a post-AIDS world. Well, that's a rosy in its thinking. Uh, there likely won't ever be a post-AIDS world in the same way that they're predicting there won't be post-COVID world. That these are here as part of the viral load, the viruses that humans are dealing with, dealing with on a daily basis. Back to the Timothy Brown story. He became known as the Berlin patient. He was the first person cured of HIV. And he began to go around the world as a reluctant spokesperson. He was not a public figure. He wasn't a public speaker. He was a translator who worked one-on-one -on -one in small rooms with small people. Now he's asked to stand in front of a microphone and a podium with 1,000 people, 5,000 people in the room and tell his story. And he rose to the occasion. He lived a, quite a good life for about 12 years after this happened. He and his partner went around the world speaking on behalf of the Ryan White Foundation, among other groups. His partner was also named Tim, is also named Tim, the surviving partner. So a few months ago, the leukemia came back. Not the HIV, the leukemia. And this time, there was just nothing to be done. If you've already had a bone marrow transplant and you get leukemia again, the idea of doing another one is just not there. So after a short time in hospice, he passed a couple of weeks ago. So uh, several dozen people 
from the Palm Springs community were there. Tim, the survivor Tim's mother was there. Each person got up who had a relevant thing to say, and it was quite moving. Yes, and it was, I believe the memorial was put on by the Desert AIDS Foundation in Palm Springs. DAP, Desert AIDS Project. Oh, Project, excuse me. And they have an offshoot group that does public events and entertainment events, and they're the people that were on record as the staging people. But yes, DAP had, was quite uh, instrumental. You know, I really love... So I was there with you. Yeah. And I really love the... Um, just the vibrant nature of the event. People were smiling. Yes, I mean, it's a memorial. The guy had just passed away less than a month ago. But people were, you know, really remembering his life and the impact they had. What uh, struck you as the most uh, remarkable thing, memory that people spoke about? Um, it's quite funny. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> the it w it was funny because um one of the gentlemen that got up and it was kind of a common theme was wow you know um I first met Tom, I first met Tim at a Palm Springs pool party and he says in you know typical Palm Springs fashion there are naked pool parties <laughs> he had just moved the gentleman speaking at the time said i just moved from seattle got into palm springs and went to this pool party and it's a naked pool party and i met tim and i i went up shook his hand said hi and i looked him up and down and said wow i have to compete with that <laughs> <laughs> and yes let your imagination run wild it's it's exactly what uh, what you think it is Yes, I have been at naked pool parties with Timothy Ray Brown, and he is a great guy on by any yardstick. <laughs> <laughs> I was also there to do this TV job, and boy, was that strange. Uh, this is at Apple Valley, California. It's a little 100-watt television station that my friend Frank pieced together on a ridiculously low budget for a guy named Brent. But there's been all kinds of trouble, and we, we can get the thing running for a few weeks, and then it goes down again. And then we, Frank goes back over and tries to fix it, and it comes back up again. But it's been really hard, and it was uh, not entirely successful, and I feel bad about that. Carl, what, do you, what else do you want to throw in the pot here? While you two were in Palm Springs in California, uh, I was here. And uh, I entertained a guy who was passing from L.A. over to Albuquerque via Tucson. Um, actually, he's kind of on a Southwest tour, seeing his family over in Albuquerque. Went up to the famous CCR mm -hmm. up in Queen Valley which I had never heard of before. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Yes. The Copper Canyon. Copper, what is Copper it? Cactus. Copper, Copper Cactus. Ranch. Copper Cactus Ranch. Yeah, oh, with the know. bunkhouses. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I've been there before, and it's it's quite fun. What was the gentleman's name? His name was John. Okay, I don't think I've met him. All my gentlemen are named John. Okay. <laughs> is that John with, a, is that with an H or not with an H? Do we know? Age. Um, with an H. Okay. No, and I say that because it's really a, I've been there a number of times, and it really is a camaraderie of, you really form like brother friendships there. 
Is it fraternal? Is it largely fraternal as opposed to carnal? Or is it both? It's a little bit of both. I'm sure it's some of both. But what I saw from their website is that they have drum circles. They have activities. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a six-week menu of things Mm -hmm. that they go through. Yeah, gay, straight, um, bisexual, um, and everything. I mean, it's a place where men can go and be in the company of other men. And um, it is clothing optional, but... um, you know, it, it's optional. Winter is coming. I know, yeah. yeah. That's true. So John uh, came through here. He stopped here overnight before he went up there. And uh, we got along famously. I hadn't known him at all. Uh, I decided to dust off my Adam profile. <laughs> it had been quite some time. And he popped up in there and said, well... Um, I'm coming over to Albuquerque. I wonder if we could kind of meet up overnight and uh, get to know each other. And um, it was lovely. It was lovely. Um, I'd never had someone uh, so into body parts before. Oh, interesting. (laughs) And we tend to think of us as largely two body parts, and Mm. that's about it. This was uh, quite different. Okay. I'll leave it at that. I uh, so in a previous you're really into cheeks. Mm, yeah. There you go. Yeah, cheekbones. I had a I had a relationship back in the day where um, with, with a female, and her yes, uh, back in the day, and her um, her like she was very scientific. I really it was a real loving relationship. It was really great, um, and we can get more into this. Her she's like I want to love every cell on your body. That was her kind of thing. Um, in addition, I uh, I mean let's let's talk about it. She so I don't know if at the time she knew that I was homosexual, but um, I think she kind of opened the door to. Like having a a relationship, uh, you know, a heterosexual relationship with a gay guy. I think she knew at the time, and I think she was okay with that because there, everything that she would do or say was to put me at ease, either sexually or, um, you know, with whatever it is that I was dealing with in my head because I hadn't come out at that time. And, and for that, I'm very thankful for that relationship. And how long, pardon me, how long ago was this exactly? It was probably about 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. And, and Quincy and I have been together six. So right. there, was, there was probably about a, a four-year gap of fun in, in between. <laughs> was that enough time? <laughs> you know, I would say so. I... Um, you know, I, I I would say I'm settled down uh, to an extent with Quincy, and I, I love Quincy. It's great. We can talk about everything. However, there are some things that I wouldn't talk to him about, um, just like I'm sure there are things that he doesn't talk to me about. And that's I think that's every relationship, and I love that. We had started it in our previous now-erased defunct never to see the light of day podcast that we recorded yesterday don't ask don't tell had come up in the context of what does that really mean and there there kind of are things i'm not we're not talking about being in the army a gay person in the army which is the bill clinton's invention but 
how we treat each other now today in our relationship. So there are some things that it's better to leave private. That you don't ask that you and then you don't tell. If you do ask, you if you do ask, do you tell? Sure. Okay. I, I, I think so. Yeah. I okay. um in in my relationship with Quincy, I'm secure enough in the relationship that if he were to ask me something, I would answer truthfully. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one thing that uh, I thought was remarkable about John's visit was that he left behind pastries. Ooh. When I got home Sunday night, there were giant sticky buns. <laughs> and cake and pie. And cake. There were, I missed the pie. There was, still, there was still cake and sticky buns, and I helped myself. Who doesn't love a good sticky Who bun? Who doesn't <laughs> love a good sticky bun? Buns. It's time to wrap this up, and um, I'll just let Daniel provide the final word. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than you are. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs>